Welcome to another episode of Journey to the Pit. I'm Jim Collins, and I'll be your host this weekend, I mean, this evening. Um, guys, I really look forward to uh, doing this two-part interview. I hope y'all guys are as excited as I am. Um, this is going to be um, the second part of a great interview that we did last week with Manuel Alfaro. Um, if you had an opportunity to watch the first part of the interview, I'll encourage you to go over to the Journey to the Pit fan page on Facebook. Um, regardless of where you're watching this, you could be watching this from YouTube and watch uh, part one. It's an extremely great interview. Um, Manuel gives us opportunity to follow along on his journey of becoming a full time game file breeder and doing it for a living um, is an extraordinary story. He talks about his um, his adversity that he had to go through, you know, how he visualized his dream and his whole journey. You know, we just talked about part one last week was it, it was over an hour, you know, so we decided to do like a two part interview, um, part one and part two. So now we can this week we're planning on talking about the second phase of of his journey. Um, I really look forward to hearing it. I really look forward uh, to him sharing it with y'all guys out there because, again, I know it's probably thousands of guys out there that can relate or maybe always wanted to uh, do game foul, be a full-time game foul breeder. I know everybody's situation is different, um, but getting some insight of what it has taken for him to go from where he was uh, to where he is today, um, again, even talking about the fact that, you know, leaving a secure job and coming to do game foul for a living, having kids and responsibilities, moving locations, uh, purchasing his, again, his dream farm or what he had visualized, I think is going to be a great opportunity again tonight uh, to finish off where we left off last week. So if you have not, if you have not had an opportunity to watch the first part of the Manuel Alfaro interview, um, I encourage you to go on over to the Journey to the Pit fan page and watch part one. This second session, the session that we are uh, filming tonight or live streaming tonight is actually being live streamed to Facebook and YouTube. Uh, we will continue. If everything goes right tonight, we will continue from now on to do Journey to the Pit live stream interviews. We'll like to interview them live stream to Facebook, Journey to the Pit 362 page on Facebook. And then Journey to the Pit 362 page channel on YouTube. This way it gives a lot of uh, opportunity to people who are not on Facebook um, can watch it on YouTube. So we're really looking forward to doing that. Oh, it looked like we already got people checking in. What's up, John? We got people checking in from uh, YouTube. So it looks like that's working good. Wall Mac, howdy, howdy. Looks like every Theo. Looks like people are checking in from uh, Facebook and YouTube. So it looks like everything is streaming good. If y'all guys can just chime in and let me know if the audio is good and, and video is good, which I think it is. I tested it, tested it over and over and over. So um, everything should be good to go. But guys, I just want to go ahead and say the disclaimer, which is not needed. And it's probably not needed for any of the interviews that we do on Journey to the Pit. But we always just like to put it out there. All the information discussed in these interviews for educational, historical, and entertainment purposes only. All information, none of this information is intended for any legal purposes, and all opinions are respected of the individuals. Excuse my pause. I just see a lot of people checking in from the different platforms. It's pretty cool. First time we've been able to dual stream uh, to Facebook and YouTube at the same time, so it's kind of cool to see people checking in. Uh, we got even people checking in from the UK. 
So we got people checking in for both platforms. I'm going to get ready to bring on our special guest, Manuel Alfaro from Alfaro Game Farms out in California. Again, guys, if y'all did not have the great opportunity to watch part one that we did last week, Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Journey to the Pit fan page, I would encourage y'all guys to go on over after this interview tonight and watch that first part. Um, but if you're in here now, again, guys, I think uh, y'all in for a treat. Uh, it's a lot different. Got a little feedback. It's a lot different. Uh, this is kind of a lot different from the interviews that we have done prior in the past. You know, I had talked to Manuel about doing this interview after really <clears throat> after really hearing his story. This is actually his third or fourth time coming on Journey to the Pit. But this interview and in, in part one of the interview of last week, you know, is, is, is totally a different twist. You know, we talk about a topic and a subject that goes to a lot of our minds that a lot of us dreams about, inspire about. Uh, but we really never had anybody on the show to kind of talk about the behind the scenes. You know, what are some of the challenges of going through if you want to become a full time game foul breeder? I know that is many of our dreams, and that's why we decided to do this show. Um, I don't think is anything better than to bring a guest on who actually lived it, not just talked about it or was born into it. And, and it, you know, he can tell the story about his father or his grandfather's uncle. He's actually telling his story from the driver's seat, you know, something he has went through. Um, and again, I think his story is so great due to the fact that, you know, it's a lot of, I'm not going to say excuses, but there's a lot of reasons that uh, when I talk to many people of why you know they want to be a game for a full-time game file breeder but then they have a lot of but this but that well i would i could if i if this was like, like this and this and i'm not calling them ex excuses they're reasons um but to me they're obstacles to be overcome you know with uh interviewing manuel the, the first part of last week i think y'all guys had a, if you had opportunity to watch it y'all guys seen that it wasn't easy you know, it was a long process. Uh, he didn't. He's not a second-generation cocker, so nothing was kind of pre-set up for him. It's something that he pursued. He had a dream about it. He pursued. He talked about a lot of great things that he did to get himself mentally ready. You know, he also talked about, you know, leaving that secure job, hitting, uh, I'm, I'm going to say the first large obstacle and kind of deterring him or, or deterring him to be doing his full-time and and kind of making a choice easier for him to go back to his nice, secure, you know, corporate job. And uh, it was just great to hear his story of how and what he took in consideration to, to decide not to go back into that corporate secure job and just continue on pursuing his dream, even though uh, it was a very uncertain time for him and a very large obstacle right at the beginning of him starting out there, getting out on his own. So, guys, like I say, I see everybody checking in from all over the place. We greatly appreciate y'all guys coming in and hanging out with us tonight. I really believe that y'all guys will get uh, some great information um, out of this interview tonight with Manuel Alfaro. This is part two, and he pretty much, again, and I hate to keep repeating it, but I can't reiterate it enough. You know, the first time us having someone on a show that took us through their life story of working a full-time corporate, very successful job, secure job, and then leaving that and doing game foul as a full-time job to pursue his dream. You know, I think it's a very, very powerful statement. I think it's a very powerful story. I think a lot of us or all of us can gain inspiration from it. But again, you know, a lot of y'all guys know him because he's been on the show a couple of times, but I learned stuff about his story 
the same time y'all guys did. It was stuff that he talked about last week that I did not know. But again, it was very, very inspiring. So I hope that y'all guys gain the same inspiration that I did from his story last week, this week. So part one, just looking at some of the messages. What's up, guys? I see y'all checking in from all over the place. We got UK, we got North Carolina, Texas. Glad y'all guys is chiming with us tonight. I think y'all be very satisfied and very inspired. Theo, yes, he inspired in part one because I'm a first-generation cocker. Yeah, that's exactly why, again, Theo, you know, why Manuel is such an inspiration, you know, because, again, there's no – he had no head starts at all. You know, he just started from the bottom. Like that song, Started From The Bottom, Now We Hear, I think it's by Drake or somebody. Well, he's a prime example. And I know it's many, many other guys. There's probably thousands of guys out there that have been uh, his same type of situation, you know, left a full-time, you know, uh, secure career corporate job and, and then went out and start uh, doing game foul uh, full-time, you know, to pursue their lifelong dream. I know there's a lot of guys out there that probably have walked that path or traveled that journey, but uh, Manuel's the first one that we had on Journey to the Pit that was willing to share uh, his journey with us. And, and again, guys, I just hope y'all can gain some inspiration uh tonight from this interview again uh it looks like everything is chiming and we got even honduras in the house kentucky in the house yes guys and we really appreciate it again share share the uh live stream the more people that we can inspire the more people that we can you know uh make a positive impact on their life the better it is that's the whole purpose of journey to the pit to make a difference in one million cockers lives from all over the world we can only do that by sharing this information don't keep this information uh strapped to your boots you know share it out there. there's a lot more other people that may need to hear it that you may not think needs to hear it but need to hear it so i'm gonna go ahead we got manuel sitting on standby we see north carolina alabama kentucky honduras we got the uk mississippi we got people coming in from all over the world which is exactly what we want so guys i'm gonna go ahead and bring our special guest in tonight we got Manuel about to come on in. Again, guys, we got Illinois. We got Manuel about to come on in. He's going to chime in. Let me bring him on the screen and just work with us if we have any technical difficulties because, again, this is our first time that we're doing dual streaming to Facebook and YouTube both at the same time. But it looks like everything is going well. We got Florida in the house. We got uh, Rio Grande Valley, Texas. Let me go ahead and bring Manuel in. Let's see here. What's up, brother? How you doing this evening? What's up, Jim? How are you? Good, good, good. So uh, you can, the sound and audio is pretty good on your end? Yeah, everything looks, sounds good on my Okay, good, good. Well, I don't know if you had an opportunity to listen to my long, long, extra long intro, you know, while you was on standby. I don't know if you had an opportunity to listen to that or not, but uh, I kind of set the stage. <laughs> I kind of set the stage for you so we can kind of dive on in. But guys, like Perfect. I say before, before we dive on in, if you had to have opportunity to watch the first part again after this interview, I really, really encourage you to go over to Journey to the Pit fan page and watch the first part so you can put the whole story together. Uh, Manuel is not going to kind of start from the beginning. We're going to go kind of go through the second half. And if I'm right, Manuel, we we kind of left off. We kind of left off uh, the part when you, you know, uh, decided not to go back to your job you know, what you took in consideration, how you made that decision, and then you went full-time, you know, continue to go full-time. So do you remember, did that, that sound kind of right where we kind of left off from the last interview? 
Yeah, I think that's about right. That's about right. So yeah, listen, since we left off, since we left off, off at that part, I know you and I talked about it's some things that you said that you kind of wanted to talk about. You kind of forgot because, again, you're telling a person's life story in, a, in an hour and 30 minutes, which is 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 kind of not, you know, it can't be done. But uh, what would you like to start off? Now? I know what I would like to do, you know, if I can maybe pose the first question, if you don't have a No, absolutely. Go ahead. Shoot, shoot. And then I think that'll kind of refresh everything so we can. Right. Right. Kind of get it all moving. So, so. Last week, you know, when we talked about um, you deciding, you know, you went to your interview, you know, and the reason why you went to that interview is because when you first started out on your first year of going full time as a game foul breeder, they had the Newcastle uh, lockdown. I call it a pandemic out there in California. Yeah. And that was your first year. And you talked yeah. about how, you know, um, you didn't really feel it that first year. You kind of felt it the second year because obviously the first year you can't really you couldn't really do the breeding that you needed so obviously you wasn't going to feel that until a year later so yeah, let's yeah. start from there the first year you step out pandemic hit you decide to maybe try to go back to your job and decide not let's just start from there and then we're going to roll from there so when you had okay. the first year you started out the newcastle hit how did you, you kind of deal with that well it, it was uh pretty stressful you know it was ex well not pretty it was extremely stressful <laughs> it was extremely <laughs> stressful because you know they were, they were coming around and you know getting rid of all the birds anybody mm -hmm. that was in the proximity of any uh uh newcastle outbreaks like i think it was like a few square miles so if you were within that area mm -hmm. you'd, no questions asked they would just come in and and wipe you out so i was kind of nervous you know we got many years uh uh set it into several families that we've invested in there so um it was it was very difficult i had to do a few things where i had to get them out you know i i had to protect my flock make sure that everything was good and um all the seed all the seed fall i kept and and pretty much everything i could reproduce i i uh i got rid of it you know so I couldn't really breed. I took everything off of the barrels. I put everything mm -hmm. into cages just so it looks like everything was already empty. I just right. figured that if if it looked empty, maybe they wouldn't come back, you know? Right. But that wasn't the case. <laughs> it was, you it said wasn't, that wasn't no, the case. No, it huh? wasn't the case. No, it wasn't <laughs> the case. They, they actually did come to my place. But when they came, there's quite a bit of distance from my uh, front gate to my house right maybe mm -hmm. i don't know like 200 feet or so 300 feet right so i can see who pulls up right and mm -hmm. it was so i was so nervous about it that every time i i was like i was a prisoner i would look out <laughs> of the window right make sure there was nothing there and then walk out because the guys were coming around testing which i probably right. could have just gotten the test but i didn't know if they were to come in and you know wipe me out so right i had to take my right. precautions right so right they did come to my to my house and they left a notice created a bunch of anxiety for me they said call this number I... we're, we're gonna <laughs> test and i said nope i'm not calling you know <laughs> i'm not, you calling, said you're not calling huh yeah no i'm right. not calling i i couldn't you know i could have just bring them right into my doorstep you know and right and so I have neighbors, they have just regular chickens, right? And uh, so they tested their flock, right? Mm -hmm. They came back a couple of times, just left notices. And it was towards the latter part of it. So 
did come in, right? They left me alone. They just decided not to. Probably because I didn't have anything on the barrels, you know, or, mm. or on the teepees, or there wasn't that much noise. It was just very select fall that was here that would, it, what I needed to keep going. Wow. So So you had to make some adjustments, like you said, to to, to protect yourself because you was in a very vulnerable state at that time, huh? Absolutely. Well, if they they take that out, then, you know, I'm starting from scratch. Even though I didn't realize how far back I was going to be set, you know, like, I got the brood file, yeah, but you got to make more seed file. And then that's going to take another year. So Mm -hmm. right now, at this point, I'm catch up to what uh, to what all that, that put you about five me. years behind huh yeah well, it'll set you back yeah it'll definitely set you back because you know there's stuff right. that i that that i only kept what i had to keep really what i could do so right. it was it was it was interesting interesting time you know so it, it was it was really really rough <laughs> that- <laughs> and i know guys that got, i know guys that got their old places wiped out you know in the area wow in the area got the whole and i got lucky you know i was fortunate that that it didn't happen to me but you know it, it was uh it, it was a very interesting time because really i didn't have as much work right i couldn't mm-hmm. read i couldn't do a lot of stuff so we got a lot of time on our hands to think and that's what causes probably the the hardest part where it's like okay i'm not working towards the goal right, right? the goal was to do this full-time raise file you know and do all that stuff but I wasn't even getting to, you know, to, to even try. I couldn't. Well, I could have, but, but right. if I think if really, if I would have created, if I would have kept everything full, I think I would have probably been one of those guys. Oh yeah, who, definitely. On that boat, you know? That's right. So. That's right. I, and, I, and I believe, you know, again, I believe with the precautions that you took, I think that had something to do with maybe the outcome. I believe if you did have a lot of, and again, it's just speculation, but I would think yeah. if they look back there and they seen a whole yard on barrels and everything else, they'd be like, uh, yeah, you know, he has a lot of chickens back there. We definitely need to get back there and see what's going on. Um, yeah. And the sounds so, were faint and, and, where it used to be popping all the time. It always used to, you know, right. crowing all day long. Everything's full, right. you know? So it was a very right. faint sound. You can hardly hear anything you know which was weird yeah well well you know what it's kind of how the universe works sometimes but i also think it was great that they had an opportunity to test your neighbor's flock yeah they maybe felt like you know if um again if they're and and obviously they they passed uh they passed they probably felt as though you know technically we probably need to be checking that one but if this you know this yard is you know five steps away and they good to go it's a very good chance that the one next to it is going to also be good to go. And and, and again, yeah. not, not in de- well, kind of defense of those, of those inspectors and stuff going around, you know, contrary to belief, they wasn't out there in my opinion, once I did my invest, you know, my research, they wasn't really out there enjoying the fact that they had to eliminate the fire. They was just really out there to do a job. Most of them don't know much of, they ain't really know nothing about chickens anyway. They just told go out here test this anything within this vicinity it all has to be euthanized done that's it um and i know that i that, agree that caused a ruckus didn't it on on social media absolutely it it's because yeah it, it was there was a whole page for it and everything you know there was mm-hmm. so at the beginning was you know where they kind of were a little bit more gung-ho where they would just kind of they were just wiping everybody out but you know right. obviously it's going to cause an uproar 
There's people right. that have, that, you know, that, 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 you know, they're, some of these bloodlines have been with us for a while. You hundred know? years, so you know, more. Yeah, and, and it's not so easy to just come in there and take them out and expect somebody not to say anything, you know? Right. So eventually they got into the wrong houses and they got pushed back and, yep. you know, that's where it kind of, they slowed it all down and then they started really kind of assessing, just go in there, wipe everything out or, you know, do we, do we do things a little more professional? Cause at the beginning it was right. a little rough. I think they weren't, they really didn't have any uh, empathy for the, you know, the people that had to go to deal with all this. Yeah. So, and then once they really, I think once they understood what was going on, they kind of, they kinda were forced to, to like see, both sides so right make some adjustments but, but, basically it, once yeah they I, I think it really that. yeah i think really that that whole situation happened just to test my gameness you're like oh you're so close you're yeah. close to doing what you what, what you want you know mm -hmm. when everything is nice and smooth it's easy to go with it you know it's easy to to to, to do things it's easy to get up and do all the work, but when things are rough is where you're really tested and see, okay, do you really want this or does this sound nice? Yeah. Well, how, right. how bad do you want it? Are you willing to give up everything or are you just, you know, uh, you, you're just going to do it when, when everything is perfect. You and know, it's just one of those things. One of those it, things. It was you really... got tested pretty early. You got tested straight out the gate. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right out of the gate. You know, maybe it was poor planning on my side, you know, but it, I guess in there, I, you know, I'm, I, well, I don't know a, about poor planning. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't I, honestly. Just my opinion. First mm -hmm. of all, there is no, uh, uh, you know, foolproof plan. Uh, you yeah. had no control <laughs> over the Newcastle, um, and you were just a young guy wanting to pursue his dream. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and, and in my opinion, you were focused on the things you needed to be focused on, which was the things that was in your control. Newcastle wasn't in your control. So yeah, I don't absolutely. think it was poor planning. I think you were focused on the things that was within your control and. You hit some adversity, you overcame it because your dream was stronger than that adversity, and you kept pushing. I mean, that's just the outside looking in from my perspective of, of the situation that you went through. Well, we kind of had to, you know. We kind of had to try to keep positive during all of it, and it was just the dream was bigger than the adversity for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah, and we had to mm -hmm. keep it pushing and, and plan, right? Like uh, you're left with a lot of time on your hands where I was used to, five to, I don't know, seven at night right, with chicks and all this stuff. So, like, it, I had a lot of time on my hands. So then you have mm -hmm. to utilize that time and see, okay, how, how do I change the narrative? Because we have the ability to do that, right? Regardless mm -hmm. of the situation, we could take it for it being terrible and negative, or we can switch it up and, and draw some positive from the situation. Which I think every situation has it as bad as it might be. There's always a silver lining to to whatever uh, bad situation. Right, right. No, I, I I think that is again. That's why the story. It goes back to what you said a few minutes ago. You know, when things are going easy, it's it's easy to get up out the bed, go out there and do what you got to do. When there's really no issues, you're just going out there taking care of chicken. Sales are coming, so you're selling chickens, yeah. and everything's working as planned. And like you said, that's easy. It's the part that kind of determine how bad you really want it is when you start running into those roadblocks and you ran into them early. And it's, those are just really the first set. Because as you know, with anything, there's more to there's more adversities yeah. to come. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it, 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 you don't know what's going on behind. Like the next year, 
it was nothing. Right? Even to this, to now, to this, to this time now, we still have a little bit of that. But you know, luckily, luckily, we've kind of already adjusted to that. You're like, okay, well, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. This year was good mm-hmm. for us, you know. But definitely, the year after that, that Newcastle it was rough because, you know, it's still, uh, the sounds are still very faint, you know, and we had to right. breed more and do all that. But it also, it was good because then I really had to uh, bunker down and say to myself, okay, what, what, what do I really want to breed? If if I had, you know, X amount of families, who stays? Who stays and who right. goes? Right. So it really made me narrow down, down to in the, it was like a force calling. Maybe that's what they saw. So collecting too many Skittles and they said, <laughs> okay, you, you better narrow this bad boy down or you're, you're not going to have any direction down the road, you know? So what, yeah, it worked out. Yeah, no, no I, want, I want I want you to I want you to talk about that, uh, Manuel, because yeah. I think that's a that's a very that that's a great point. Um, and like you say, it might not it may not have been planned. Like you say, you call it forced culling, uh, yeah. but you made the best yeah. out of it. So, you know, w- w- with with that being said, you in that situation, you know, the situation got you in a very vulnerable position. So now you're forced to really look at. Moving forward, I cannot move with this whole program that I have right here. I need to make adjustments, right? Yeah. Not so, everybody could be safe. That unfortunately, it, I was put in that position where, you know, not everybody can make the team, right? So right. it was really, really what was going to keep us or or elevate us in the future, right? Because right. we don't want to stay the same. Obviously, we want to progress. You know, every single right. year, try to get better. And and we had to stick just with the with the families and the individuals that were gonna propel us forward, you know. So it it, it was it was very interesting. I, well, I can imagine it was interesting, especially when you do you when you put in a position. We got to do a force culling. You know, it ain't like yeah. you set back and planned it out, and you've been evaluating over the last you know seasons, saying okay, after this season right here, we're gonna move in a different direction. That that's a lot different than. Uh, okay, this disease is upon us. We're forced right now, probably within the next 30 to 60 days, to really start doing some evaluation. And I'm pretty sure some of those birds that you had to evaluate or didn't make the team was birds you maybe had for a few years, I would think. Or, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. It was definitely stuff that I've had, you know, for a while where, you know, we had to really put them through a microscope and examine Mm -hmm. are they going to move the breed forward? Right? Do I need it? Do I really need it? Or is it just, you know, just something I had laying around because I had the extra barrel room or the extra right. pen space or whatever, you know? Right. I'll tell you that the, the, another good thing was that the feed cost was low, you know? So I didn't have to worry so much about the feed bill. <laughs> it was probably right. one of the few things that was good. But it, it <laughs> that's was, one of the good yeah. things that came out of it through that the was, force culling. It cut your it cut your expenses down, huh? Like a third, yeah. It was all the way down. I was like, well, I guess this is a raise in itself. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Let's talk a little bit about then. Mm-hmm. You know, what did you take in consideration with pretty much every bird that you had on your yard? You had all of them for years, or at least the lines. You had all those lines yeah. for years. You know, what what did you take in consideration? on who made the team and who didn't well it was really i was starting to accumulate bloodlines that really 
we that like you have your bread and butter, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was starting to accumulate bloodlines. I, I guess not the different ones, right? Uh, round heads, extra round heads, extra these, extra those, mm-hmm. a bunch of extra stuff, right? And like everything, right? We get in trouble when we don't uh, really have tunnel vision mm-hmm. or zoom in on what we want to do. So I really had to get all those out of the way, right? And then mm-hmm. I left a lot of the the hands that I know produce well. So I got rid of the families that I had very little experience with, right? Maybe they were better than what we had, right? But we got rid of those. So anything that was new and anything that we already knew what was good, we just kept the individuals that made those uh, the best sides of the family, right? So like, gotcha. so if it was going to be gotcha. like the main brood hands, that's all that stayed, right? Main brood hands. So let's say I stayed with like 20. 20 chickens total, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe a little bit more. Yeah. I did, I, yeah, maybe a little bit more, like 30. But, you know, mm-hmm. we narrowed it all down. The brood fall only. So it was, it was, it, it, it was so much that it just whatever I could make, again, I had to, I, whatever I couldn't reproduce, I had to keep it, you know? You had to keep it. Gotcha. Yeah, so it, that, that's pre- pretty much what determined on how you made the cut. If you couldn't reproduce yeah. it, it stayed if you could reproduce it it went and then also too you said you just stepped away or or started to wean yourself away from all of the new bloodlines that you started to acquire right right yeah because you start well at least myself right you start everything looks nice everything is shiny you know right. everything is shiny you're like okay nice this is nice this is nice but is it really what's the most effective or is what you figure you know what what you've had and what's worked mm-hmm. the best so pretty much everything goes out the door and you only stay with, with the bread and butter. Yeah. The bread and butter. And, and, yeah, and you made a good butter. point a little while ago when you said you started to accumulate some birds, maybe because you had extra barrels and extra pen space. And we yeah. know, I think a lot of us can fall victim to that. You know, I, I, I think we, we, uh, we all do. Yeah, we all <laughs> right. do. It, it, it's, I think it's part of the, the, the game, right? everything looks nice and you know a lot of times it's like oh well take that you know, you can have that and right. you look at it well it's very shiny has nice tails you know and you're like, well i got one pen open let's take it you know exactly. but really really you know you have to like think long term right so it's three pens right. you know single made it right three pens because we really just single made and then it starts accumulating more space, right? So the next year, it's a bunch of sisters, and how many pens are you going to open up for it? Ten, right. five, six. So you know, do you want to invest that much time into it? That's kind of the way I was thinking, you know. And I was like, well, I didn't really want to, you know, too many stones unturned, too many quirks of the family. Maybe it's not our direction, you know. And they probably were. They could have been better chickens than what we already had, but you know. It, the time has already been invested with, with stuff that is already on the yard. Right. So it, it made more sense for y'all guys to kind of go, especially with you starting out, you know, you starting out, you going full yeah. time. It's already a whole bunch of the road is uncertain walking ahead. So at least you got to kind of find some type of uh predictability, which is, Absolutely. Hey, you know, we, we know these birds right here produce the other ones, like you say, maybe better than what y'all have. But as of right now, you basically was saying you wasn't in a position right now to be doing a whole bunch of exploring. <laughs> you had to, yeah, no. you had to kind of get off the launching pad first before you started 
you know, doing a whole bunch of exploring and a whole bunch of different variations and crosses and, and, and additional mm-hmm. bloodlines. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, I, I think to me, that's something, a lesson, a teachable moment, you know, a teachable moment, because I'm pretty sure even if you have extra barrel space now, do you ever revert back to that mindset that you had at that time? Like, hey, you know what I mean? I really don't, just because I got an extra barrel or extra pen, I don't really need to occupy it just because well, I have it. Do you kind yeah, of think and, like that from that experience? And I think with, with yeah, absolutely. I do think that way where it's like, especially now where, where I have my view of everything kind of switched, right? So mm-hmm. at the beginning, it's kind of a fairy tale where it's like, oh, I'm doing it full time. But then at one point it has to switch from, from that to more of a business, business, uh, right. business view, right? Because mm-hmm. it, 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 it all sounds nice, but then, you know, we got to generate some money, right? We, we got to be efficient. We have to, we have all the stuff, all those things have to be laid down in order for you to profit something, right? right. Whatever it is you're going to do. But I think it, I kind of switched the mindset. So I didn't look at it as an empty barrel, right? I kind of saw like right. two bucks in my pocket because how much does that barrel cost me a year? You know, to say 50, $100, right? And you so that's $100 in my pocket. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I really think, guys, <laughs> I don't know if you heard that. You know, I know I talked about it in my live stream, but now you're hearing it from the man who left a corporate cushy job to doing his full time and listen of how his mindset changed. I mean, you know, he had a lot of those barrels occupied when he was working that corporate job. Right or wrong. Those barrels yeah, was occupied. And then you know, he stepped out here. <laughs> That's right. Got to have a paycheck every two weeks. So he had barrels yeah. occupied. And then all of a sudden, when this became full time, you, know, you heard what he just said. He had to start shifting it to a business mentality, not meaning that, oh, I'm going to go out here and sell a bunch of chickens. Like he said, he had to run more efficient because he had to recognize of cost. You know, what I mean, not just of a sale, but, hey, it costs before I can even make the sale. I got to invest X amount of dollars and X amount of time before I can even make a sale. And, and, and look how his mindset shifted. Like, uh, no, we can't really go down that path right there. That barrel, what you say, that barrel can cost you $50 or $100 a year. That might not sound like a lot, guys, but you multiply that times 100, you know, 200. That becomes a whole heck of a lot of money, you know? That yeah. becomes a lot, yeah. a lot of money. And not even if you're just starting out, but more so if you are just starting out, you got to keep your costs to the minimum and try to run, you know, as tight a ship as possible if you want to increase the chances of you being successful, because it ain't guaranteed, but if you want to increase your chances, like Manuel just said, you got to start looking at it as a business saying, and eh, just because that barrel is there, I may not, you know, need to put it on a barrel unless it's cost efficient. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's because at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to, right? Like we're, mm-hmm. we're here to breed as close to perfect as possible. Right. Which, Mm-hmm. At, at times you can let a few things go, but never something that's absolutely cold 100%. You got to get it out. You know, mm-hmm. there's just, there's no room for it. You know, there's no room for it. It looks at you sideways, doesn't act good. You got to get rid of it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think down the road, uh, it, it, that's what helped me probably the most, right? Because say I had, I don't know, 30, 50 roosters, whatever, right? right. But I know that those 50, they're, they're as close as I got to, perfect right? right so that that works at the end of the day i'd rather have 50 you know let's say a's than you know a bunch of c pluses 
It's just not right. not going to work, you know, or right. seize whatever. Or it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. I can focus. I can all my energy. Yeah. yeah. Right. Sometimes those are the most tricky, you know, that mm-hmm. the ones that teeter in between those two because like, well, you know, it's in the window. You know, he don't look bad or he acts right. okay. And then you give him the pass and then it costs you. And it will cost mm-hmm. you. I guarantee that. It, it will cost you. <laughs> You'll be sitting there, you know, ready to get the bags. You know, right. start dumping all the money in, and then right. So, sorry, your B minus showed up. It, you know, exactly. So it happens exactly. all the time, and and I've you know been victim of it myself. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it's just part of part of the the learning curve. <laughs> well, you know what's amazing, guys. The the amazing part about it is 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 look at when Manuel learned that. You know what I mean? Like he had been in chickens for years. Um, Working at a cushy job, been in chickens for years, guaranteed check coming in. Every barrel on a farm uh, had something on it. Um, and even besides the Newcastle, I mean, it wasn't just even a Newcastle that changed your mindset. Is the fact that you started to look at everything from a business perspective is pretty much what 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 changed your culling process, right? Absolutely. Well, you know, because things start tightening up, right? So the Newcastle set up a whole different uh year for me the next right or next season so mm-hmm. i had to look at what we can cut back and then you know obviously there's a lot of things just taken because uh an ace is going to take is going to eat the same amount of food as a you know as a nice. coal so right. i'd rather feed you know again i'd rather feed a few aces than you know 40 coals so. It just doesn't okay. go for me to say, okay, how many chickens do you have? 300. Right. Awesome. I'd rather have, oh, I have 20. But come look at them. You know, they're they're top right. quality. I have, they have all the attention. They're they're good natured, everything. So, and, and, and it, and it I agree. <laughs> well, no, I mean, again, listen, brother, I agree with you 1,000%. You know, I got a lot of flack when I told, when I made a video one time and I told guys that, you can afford to lose at least 20 to 30 percent i said 20 percent, 20 percent of the birds on your yard and guys like oh man you can't do that i said dude I, I promise you i promise you especially you know i haven't been to too many yards that they could not have did away with 20 percent of their birds now you know again if you got 10 birds it before all of the really tough culling but if somebody got 50 birds, they can afford to lose 20% of them if they didn't already have a mindset that you're talking about now. I think you yeah. went through your 20%. You know, when you transition from the model that you had before to the model that you had now, I mean, I, ha, didn't you shave off about 20% of the birds that you had on the yard? Yeah, probably a little more, you know, but you know. But, it, but but it, but it made me a better chicken man at the end of the day. Exactly. We really had to pay attention to details and you have to go yep. out and you got to watch, you know, like that's why uh, for me, for sure. I have to feed the chickens always myself, right? Gianna will help me clean water bowls and do all that. But I always have to feed because, you know, when you feed the chickens, they kind of, they'll interact with you. Everybody right. has their personality. Everybody moves around. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you feed the chickens, you really get to see kind of where they're at, you know, where, right. where are they? So I always feed. And that's kind of when I observe, right. What are they doing? What do I like this? You know, do I like what they're doing? Do they carry themselves confident? You know, are they kind of nervous and wild? 
and that that, that all that stuff you got to take into consideration because that that rooster if he's nervous and wild is probably going to stress out on you you know just de mm -hmm. just depends you know depends on the family obviously you know right. also but i think uh all that stuff plays into the 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 chart right so mm -hmm. whatever it we have about 100 strings right so we'll go through all feed and then i look and you know even when they're in the teepee side which is the more right that part that those roosters have already been selected they're already the the 10 percent right the, the, the 10 percent yeah and, it, okay. and sometimes there they got a big cut you know it, it, right maybe they start getting a little quirky start getting a little weird and they just they're just not for that side you know and so, then we gotta call them. so your selection process basically you know it never ends right never yeah never ends it never it ends. never it never ends. ends it's constant because it's from egg to to, to the know, day they to, leave the earth that's what i said yeah, yeah it is that it is pretty much that because you got to figure out too at what stage do you say okay i'm not going to breed this old rooster anymore he's not doing nothing mm -hmm. for me and uh, granted that situation we'll let him chop cotton until you know he's gone but it, it, you right. have to make that decision you know again that right the cost you know the cost versus everything so yeah, at least in my situation <laughs> right well no no and, and again man well yeah. listen we got you up here be, just due to the fact that you know you experience it because look you turn into a whole different we're going to get to this but you turn into a whole different chicken man from when you was working that cushy job with a guaranteed check to when you went uh full time and i think that's why why again the story is going to resonate uh with a lot of us and be more inspiring to so many more of us due to the fact that you know we're basically listening to how you transform you know not only just as an individual but as a chicken man and you're hitting a lot of points that that i have talked about in the past you know a lot of times people say hey you know when should i select i'm like dude the selection process to me it starts from the beginning it starts from the egg and i gave a story and i'm not going to say what farm i was at but i was at a farm and they were pulling chicks out the out the um you know chicks were starting to hatch and uh you know it was some some chicks in the bottle in a bucket i heard some cheap 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 i was like hey man you, you left some chicks is in that bucket with the rest of those eggs he's like look if they're struggling to get out the egg they already a call period yeah. you know i'm not gonna go in and crack them out the egg if they can't crack out that egg on their own then it's a done deal so you know it gets to that point so you get something four or five years old and like you say not really acting right he might have lived for four years on a farm, but right now you're not going to cut the mustard. So, yeah. you know, no, you're yeah. a living example of how you're saying you have to call. It just never stops. It's always an evaluation, and that's the reason why you feed personally, right? Yeah, absolutely. It is day to day, right? It changes day to day. It, mm -hmm. So many times it's happened where I go out and I'm like, okay, I thought, you know, this rooster was it, and he's just doing something that I don't like. You know, right. and, and, we have to we have to call those things you know whatever because mm -hmm. at the end of the day you breed say you breed that rooster right and you breed them to a bunch of different hens i can almost bet you that for some reason all those ones with the bad habits are going to be popping up all over the yard and then you're going to be left with a bunch of roosters that are a, a family of fowl that have these weird habits and now you can't mm -hmm. get it out of there because you have a whole yard full of them mm -hmm. you know so if you start eliminating them then you don't have to worry about it, you know? And if you only had to have two, perfect. 
keep the two good ones right. and get rid of two the rest. Good. Yeah, right. and, and start from there. Start where you are. It, it's a slow process, right? We're dealing with mm-hmm. living animals, so it's a slow process. We a lot of times we want to speed up and you know hold the trophy and do all that, but uh, I think the patient man wins it this game, right? It's a long, it's a long game, right? Like Gary V says, you got to play the long game. It's mm-hmm. it's it's for years, right? For years, decades, whatever. I right. think uh, uh, it, I guess a lot of times you get into that where the guys of the moment, right? The men of the moment, right? But they don't know that that man or those men or women, right? right. Have done years and years and years of work, right. right? There's been a lot of work put on the on the backside of that, right? That that gets overshadowed because they're in the moment, right? They're they're the they're the ones that are hot right now, right? So I I think all, all that comes into play, you know, and they it's like because that. they put in the time back then. They put in the time because many people, I think, trip up and start studying the success too hard and not studying the journey. And then they try to replicate the success. What the thing is, when you try to replicate the success, the success is a result of the habits of the of the work that was put in behind the scenes on that journey. And that if that part ain't being studied and you're only studying the end result, a lot of times guys don't understand why they can't get to where they at. Well, the guy that guy you're 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 admiring. He started his race a long time ago. You know, yeah. you just looking at the end result, you know, him 20 yards from the finish line and you're looking at his body language and all that. Well, yeah, you got to understand what was he looking at 20 miles ago when he started this thing. Yeah. And it's just like you. I mean, they're studying, looking at your file now. But uh, and we, and I still didn't post those pictures, but looking at the pictures and when you started out, your file don't look nothing like to, the, the file you have today. And the condition that they are today, the healthiness, the way they look, the shine and everything is is way better. It's like night and day. Again, back in the day, like you said, you had some excellent genetics and excellent foul, but you was a whole different type of chicken man. So Yeah, the chicken man was you know failing. I mean? he, he was like a D minus chicken man, you right. know. And now now the we're top like quality a C genetics, plus, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we <did laughs> well, justice. You know, we right. do no justice, and that and that's the part where it, where I learned also on the way we're the stewards, right? We're in charge. They can't tell us, right. they can't tell us, or they can't tell us, hey, I like that, or I do like that, or you know, we have to be the mm-hmm. ones to give it to them and and give them all the opportunity, right? Right. So, because we're looking to get all the opportunity out of them, at one hundred percent, right? We want them to give us a hundred percent. We want them to be these great animals, but. We have to treat them that they gotta give them that same respect. You know. And, and 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 obviously you have learned a lot about because again, the way your chickens look before and and the amazing part about <laughs> it, and I'm gonna keep driving this home. No, no, yeah. I, I mean I'm not criticizing, but yeah. your your birds no, it's today, funny too. They look it's, phenomenal, it's funny too. dude. Your birds today, yeah. and guys, if y'all don't know, which I spoke about this before, um that 99% of the time, well, probably 99.9% of the time, the birds that I use in my quotes and my flyers and all that kind of stuff that y'all guys see, those are his birds. Like, I always, I used to bug him. Hey, dude, send me some more pictures. Send me some more pictures. So he loads me up. Like, I have a whole library of his fowl, pictures of his fowl. And I use them in, when I make those flyers, when I make those quotes and all that kind of stuff. Those birds are his. Now, I promise you, 
Now, again, not knocking the way your birds used to look, but the way your birds used to look, they are nowhere. The genetics probably was there, but the, the ability that you have now to pull a full potential out of those birds versus the ability you had back then, equally, equally good genetics. I mean, wouldn't you agree the genetics today is just as good as the genetics that you had back then? Right. I, I would say it's pretty much the, the yeah, same thing. Pretty much yeah. the same. Right. And if you look at his his birds today and look at the way his birds used to look, I mean, it's like night and day. I mean, you can you can see how this man evolved, that he's able to pull every bit of potential out of those birds now from his knowledge now versus back then. All he pretty much had was genetics going for him. Today, he got genetics. He got care. He got raising. I mean, he got the whole he got everything. You know, what I mean, he done got it all figured out. So that's going to lead me to my next question. In that phase that you were in, you know, I think it speaks volumes that you had really, really good birds, really good bloodlines. But did you feel like you were getting the full potential out of those birds back then, say 10 years ago? Well, I didn't know any better, really. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I really, I really, I really didn't know any better. It wasn't common sense to me. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't really common sense to me. I had to do research and, you know, we, Mario and I at the beginning, right, like, uh, we had, we were kind of very in a similar position, right? Uh, he had much nicer chickens, much better, you know? Mm -hmm. And we kind of, I started kind of spitballing ideas with him. That's kind of where everything started to progress, you know? And then I've, I've been mentored by a couple guys, really. And all that stuff started catapulting and everything. Because he started talking about, you know, probiotics. He started talking about, what are you feeding? He started talking about... Tilling that dirt, you know, because the bacteria builds up, you know, mm -hmm. and I didn't have room to move them from one side of the yard to the next. So what did I have to do? I had to, you know, switch up right. the beddings and do all that. So I had to get creative right? and those guys really kind of helped everything. Yeah. Uh, kind of helped everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know. How do you get to that point? You know, how, how do you go from, you know, from not even they're warming your chickens to, you know, they're warming um, um, bi-monthly or monthly basis or whatever mm -hmm. works for you the best, you know? How do you go from not giving any probiotics to giving that, you know, three times a week uh, to the brood fall and, and vitamins and all that other stuff, you know? Right. And do they really need it? And where, when is it effective to use it all, you know? Right. When is it the most effective for them to absorb all of it? So mm -hmm. that all that stuff, right, is stuff that we kind of started learning on the way up or on the way towards the the path right right so it, it, it all made a difference and slowly we start putting it together you know <laughs> at my mom's place i used to have a double stack <laughs> i had like a third those 39 by 39 right and i put sand right. in there i'd put sand in there then switch it out you know and then i would switch those guys to the bottom pens like i'd rotate them so that their feet wouldn't get all dried out and get all beat up you know but it's it's what i had I used to fly right. roots a little like a little uh, I, I think I sent you a video of rooster flying onto like a a down, you know, a duvet just flew in there. You know? It's like a pillow right. top, right? And that right. was my that's that was my table, you know. But as as we progress, as we start learning, I, I had to upgrade, right? Slowly. <laughs> yeah. Well, Slowly. I mean, listen, man. That I I think that's the most phenomenal part is the fact that looking where you came from. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you're your first generation and looking where you came from again. 
and not to tease on the birds that you had back then, but man, you truly evolved. I mean, I think that's a perfect example that, like you said a minute ago, you got to start with where, where you're at, you know, whatever you have, you yeah. start from there. And that's pretty much what you've done, you know, and guys, I've had some guys. I've had some guys come to the house, right? Like from when I used to live at uh, my parents' house to, to now, also, there's been mm-hmm. several year gap there. <laughs> And right. they're just kind of like beside themselves because I was probably in a, they had chickens too. I was probably in a worse position than they were. Right. Mm-hmm. But the difference was that right, I stuck to it. Right. Tried mm-hmm. different things. We, it, it was the dream since then. You know, it was right. the dream. I'm, when they came here, they couldn't believe what they were seeing. Right. Wow. And, and to me, they it's normal. Right. It, huh? To me, it's, to me, it's normal. It's my day to day. I do feel extremely fortunate, right, to be able to do and, and move and have, you know, the farm and do all that. But, you know, after a while, it becomes normal, right? It's like, okay, the next goal, the next goal. But to them, they were just like, just kind of, he was kind of, I thought it was very, just beside himself. He couldn't believe it, you know? And I told him, I said, where you came from, huh? We, we weren't, yeah, he couldn't believe it. You know, we, and I was not in the position then to think about getting a house or think about getting a farm or think about buying a $1,500 tree or a $2,000 tree or even a $500 tree. You know, I was not in those positions at that financially at those, you know, at the beginning, but all that stuff was good actually in the sense, because I didn't have the money to go and buy from everybody and collect chickens and have 20 cages and 20, you know, Mm -hmm. it, it, it gave me the opportunity to grow and learn. And, and make mistakes that I could recover from, you know. And it wasn't fifteen hundred dollar so, mistakes. Like you wasn't no. making fifteen hundred dollar mistakes with. No. I mean, you wasn't making mistakes with fifteen hundred dollar trios. Yeah, it wasn't in the really that I couldn't afford at the time, you know. So right. I, I think I think all of it. I and mean, they saw firsthand. They seen all that firsthand, mm-hmm. you know. So they saw what what kind of situation we used to live in the garage. We used to live in my parents' garage. You know, no, there was nothing. There was, there was not that. You know, we were very young. My wife was like 19 years old. I was wow. 20 years old, 21 years old. We kind of did everything backwards, right? She went to school for nursing, and I kind of tried to get my stuff together because right. you know we have a responsibility to, right. to Gianna, right? Where she was, mm-hmm. she was just barely a baby. So we had mm-hmm. to figure it out. You know, we had to figure out really. There was nothing given. We had to figure it out from the from the get go. You know. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I told him, I said, if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. Right. I didn't have no money in the bank when I first started looking. I didn't have no money. I didn't, I, I didn't have an advantage on anybody. I probably had more disadvantages and I should have just gave up. Right. Like I could have, I could have done it. I could have right. done it. Just said, oh, well, the world's against me. I can't mm-hmm. make it, you know? So, and things progress slowly. Oh. You know, slowly, and then after a while, you get so much momentum. You're like, "Oh man, progress feels good." And look back, and you can laugh at some of those times where, where it wasn't so smooth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You can, like you say, you can laugh at them now. But like I say, to me, when when you told me the story, I was like, "Dude, we got to share this because it's such an inspiration." And the reason why I say it's such an inspiration because I know there is thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of guys out there that would love. And their goal or their dream is to to breed game fowl full time. And again, 
looking at you now, it's easy to say, oh, you know what? I can go out and get a couple of this and I got I got the same size lot or I got a bigger lot and I got more barrels and I got more this and more that. And at the end of the day, you know, from listening to you, it's not even about that. Like pursuing your dream wasn't a result of how big your yard was, how many barrels you had out there, empty or full. It was a lot of other yeah, things. Was- and I, and I hope that's what guys are going to take from this. Not the lot size, not how many barrels he had, but basically his mindset that he had to adapt to make his dream come true. Well, in the pursuit of his dream on your journey. And also to another thing I take away from this is how, you know, you, you made adjustments where it was necessary and you didn't draw the adjustments out. Like you didn't take two seasons to determine if you had to start culling hard. I mean, yeah. right after the Newcastle, it was like within 30 to 60 days, you said, oh, oh, you know, we got to make adjustments now, not a whole season from now. We got to make adjustments now. And, and to me, that's crucial. I mean, that's crucial. You know, you didn't draw it out. And then also, too, you change your mindset to where I'm not just a chicken man, but I got to look at this also as a business. You know, the, having that barrel occupied costs money. So, you know, I got a whole yard full of Skittles right now. Maybe I need to get on back to ground zero and uh, just have a few predictable breeds start from there as my launching pad and kind of go from there. I mean, that, that's that's what, again, your whole journey, dude, can be applied to so many other aspects in a person's life besides chickens. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it ain't, it ain't yeah. just what you went through just ain't chickens. I'm sure Mario kind of went through the same thing when he started his business, when he left his job Absolutely. and started his business. And Mario is uh, Manuel's partner um, yep. in the chickens. You know, they kind of work together hand in hand, close to close on every aspect. Uh, he kind of did the yeah, same. Yeah, we have the them. same chickens. Right. The the chickens always end up coming over here. So at the end of the day, they're, well, they're both of ours, you know? So right. you breed a bunch. Right. So I have a little bit more space. You'll bring them over here. So, mm-hmm. you know, if they're green-legged, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever, white-legged, they're, they're from his. If they have a cone right. still, they're mine. <laughs> right, but it, right. once they come here, it's a melting pot, you know. It's a melting right. It's a melting pot. pot. I don't even look at it like yeah. that anymore. It's, it's ours, you know. It's ours. It's yeah. another thing too. Okay. Surround yourself with people that have your best interests in mind, which is mm-hmm. I, probably the hardest thing to do. Right? right, like like real dudes, real guys that that have your best interests in mind, and you have their best interests in mind. You know, I think mm-hmm. I've been fortunate to be surrounded by guys like that you know, that are truly rooting for you, you know, mm-hmm. and vice versa. So that is extremely important because sometimes you get locked into these guys that it's a competition, you know, right. and, and for me, we could all win. Everybody can, right. win, you know, everybody has their weekend or their day or whatever, you know, but we could all win. We're all, we are, we're, it, it works, you know, and I like rooting for, I like rooting for our boys, you know, I like rooting for the team. Everybody yep. has, you know, their their they overcome certain things, and it's good to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good to. And everybody can win, like you to said, be around I mean, those nobody, guys. Yeah, no, nobody got a hundred percent winner percentage, so that means somebody else is winning, regardless if you like it or not. Somebody else is gonna win. Yeah, too. ain't nobody winning on hundred percent. So if somebody else yeah. gonna win, why not it be somebody on your team? And like you say, I think you made a very valid point. Again, another one is, you know, you, you don't want to surround yourself or get in with, with guys that's supposed to be on your team, but yet they're competing against you and not competing yeah. against the adversary. You know what I'm saying? It's more uh, inner competing than external competing. It's like we're supposed to be competing against them, 
this guy's on your team and he's trying to outdo you. You're like, dude, yeah, don't I'm not I'm not the guy you you competing against. You know, yeah, we absolutely. together is supposed to be competing against, you know, that group over there or or, or against these standards or whatever the case is. It's not me against mm-hmm. you. So I mean And you get to guys, see that really you get to mm-hmm. see that quick too, at least in my experiences, right? Like, you know, there's some points where it's just you, you just don't have the hot hand, right? Mm-hmm. You just don't. It's just the name of the game. Some days just or or a season, you're not hot. Right. Just how it goes. Right. But then that's really where you get to see who's riding with you, who's really there with you, who who's mm-hmm. who's there, you know, mm-hmm. or who was in there for special interest, you know. So right. that, those are the guys that I keep around. You know, and it's not many, you know, it's not many, you know, handful of guys, yeah, but I know they don't that. come down a dozen. I, I promise you that they don't come down yeah. a dozen. They, they feel no, far absolutely. in between. I tell you that now. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, 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 I completely agree. You know, So I, I think that's another very important thing. You got to call bad friends also, you know, call them out, <laughs> you know, and keep the good ones. Yeah, yeah. You got that right. You can say that again. What you say? You got a cold, <laughs> bad friend. <laughs> cold, bad friends. Cold, bad friends. Yeah. Uh, so listen, you know we ain't even gonna get on that because that's a whole another yeah. topic. Because I know that's a lot a of us are experiencing that. So that's just yeah, a piece yeah. of advice that Manuel is giving you. Not only do you got to call your birds, you also got to call your bad friends or your bad associates or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, yeah. Just you know be more aware of your surroundings and making sure you don't have anybody on your team that's playing against you instead of playing against the adversary. So, uh, you know, so, so where, where, you know, you took us through the whole thing, the transitional process, you know, pretty much how you got the birds to where they are today, you know, and I know the journey is, is, is long, you know, you definitely playing a long game. Nobody can predict the future, but moving in the direction that you're going, you know, where are you, you know, where would you like to see yourself? I ain't going to say one year, five years or whatever, but on your journey, what direction? That's what I would like to say. What direction are you traveling that kind of keep you focused and grounded? Like, what is your vision in your head that you're moving towards? Well, I think it's uh, improving. Well, I guess it's, it's there's several parts to it, right? Like, if we're talking about, like, the file that I'm reading now is improving those families exponentially right just mm-hmm. blowing everything away not against anybody else but myself right right Send, setting up a bunch of individual group pens and really mm-hmm. selecting the absolute best you know mm-hmm. the absolute closest to perfect individuals that we got really i want to that that's the part where i want to really focus is, is move the breeding program into that you know it's just like only only the top percent ten percent get to stay to reproduce, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to continue the family. And and I think really that will help out pretty much everything else, right? Once you have the, the file zeroed in on and mm-hmm. and kind of perfected or as close as you can to it, I think from there it kind of makes everything else easier because we definitely have big aspirations to travel, right? That, that's right. That's been the number one thing really to right. travel and, and get ourselves up at the highest level, right? Mm-hmm. At the highest level, we, that's what we wake up for. <laughs> right, you know? right, right. To, to, compete mm-hmm. at, to compete at the highest level. Like we, we, mm-hmm. It wasn't never, okay, I want to do this full time just because it was always to, to compete at the highest level, ourselves doing everything, you know? Right. So 
I think at the end of the day, those things really coincide, right? And it's really traveling and, and getting out as much as we can to right. to show that, right? Win, lose, or draw, you know, always be proud of our our work and 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 our progress. Sometimes it's right. slow and sometimes it's fast. So I think uh I don't know if I answered the question. But no, no, you definitely you definitely answered it. And to me, what I take away from that, which I think is a very great point, is the fact that, you know, your main objective is is to produce better foul every season. So you're yeah. really just competing against yourself. You know, at the end of the day, you know, you're competing against yourself, which I think is the best competitor. Um, but just make yeah, and that's number one foul yeah. every season. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's really number one. It's never like it's always, you know, blinders to the outside. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times that that does no good, you know. Just focus on you and and do the best you can. It, I think it, at the end of the day, it'll cause you less grief, also. You know. Yep. Uh, and 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 again, I believe the success will come. You know, I yeah. I think you, you got your eye on the best prize, which is the part that you have control over, which is breeding better fowl every season. You're doing a culling. You're doing the selecting, you're doing the feeding, you're doing the care. That's the part you have control over. And it's, to me, success is going to come, or at least the results to your program is going to come. And, and a lot of times I think guys, they don't focus on a process. You know, they just focus on the outcome, and they try to emulate what somebody else is doing by going out there buying. You can't buy success. You know, you can go out there and buy a $5,000 tree. I don't, I don't care what it is. Yeah. But you get drawn into that. I think yeah, you, you get, get drawn, drawn into, into that. You, you get drawn into that, and it takes away from the process. Really, mm -hmm. I think in, right now in the day and age, you get to see a lot of guys' success, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to be there. You want to fast forward to that that portion. You know, again, the guy, the the person at the moment. You know, they're the ones that are on top. Mm -hmm. So, but there's a lot of work you know, that goes into it before you get to that that portion which we're working on we're you know we're not close to that but we're working on that 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 middle part you know that mm -hmm. the getting to that point where it's like okay we're we've, we've got here you know now right. let's let's get to work you know the, the right. fun part starts so right. uh i i think stay your lane keep your blinders on and improve what you got going on right and just work with what you just have work. You know, don't work don't just head. wait till you get to what you want. Just work with what you have. And to me, I think, you know, again, that that's that's the story. I mean, I think that's your story. You know, you said you couldn't afford the expensive to. trios and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. So to me, that's your, your story. Yeah, you work with what I you had, and that was pretty much it, right? Yeah, I, I had no choice, you know, but to start where I was and and not let the circumstances around me dictate my future. You know, yeah. I just I couldn't. You know, I couldn't, and and uh, I've had that mindset since I was a kid, right? It was always like, I, I, I can do it. I can mm -hmm. do it. I can do it. And I know my brothers would always be like, well, why does he always get what he wants? But it was because I figured out a way to get it, you know? It was right. always, uh, there was, I had to figure out how to do it, you know, mm -hmm. or whatever it was. So and we checked off a lot of boxes, and then I think this one is a bigger check, you know? Right. But but I, I think that's what really intrigued me of the game fall is just every year you have to improve because if you stay the same mm -hmm. you're already behind you know so for me really what what keeps me kind of 
focused? Is that, you know, we can do good this year, next year, you can fall, you know, because you're, 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 you have to invest the time every single year to stay there, you know, stay at the top or, or continue the climb or whatever part you're at, you know? Right. So, so, and, and again, I mean, that's a, you know, getting, you have, you have to get better every year. This, this game and like many other games, uh, you're, you know, there is no leeway for you to continue to stay the same that same year. And that's why I always say people should always kind of have a little experiment project on their farm, regardless if it's only three or four birds or five or 10, you know, if you can do it, because again, every year you have to get better. If you don't have experiment projects, you got to start experiment with your selection, you know, because not say your selection change every single year, certain parts of your selection that stays the same, but competition change standards change there's a lot of things that change and i think like you said the culling process continuous the selection process would you think do i do you think your selection process you always also reevaluating that not absolutely just the culling but are you reevaluating your selection process too yeah absolutely absolutely because they got right you kind of progress right so uh, let's say Five years ago, the standard or what would pass was totally different, mm-hmm. right? Maybe I would let nervous chickens pass or something a little different pass, mm-hmm. but now I won't, you know, especially if it's right. in-house, you know, I won't, I won't. Now I can't because you know where that leads you. So all that calling, all the selection and a lot of the stuff, there's triggers that you see way before, you know, start, you start noticing the triggers. We, we have to pay attention to detail here. Like there is no way around it. You know, it, it, I think uh, the details here is what separates the the great from the good. You know, a lot of the guys, I think really when they break down the details in, from the greats, they were extremely detail oriented and they broke it down. You know, they were masters of, of, of certain breeds and certain things and they knew those fall inside and out. So that's right. kind of what I, from now, from then to now is really the way we've progressed. And and every year we start putting some stuff away, you know, and, and say, okay, I like this. I didn't like that. I hear interviews. I've heard plenty of information right. on the interviews you've done. And, you know, it'll, it'll all trigger stuff. And it'll open relationships, too. So I'll ask right. different people questions. You know, guys that have been in the situation, you know. Guys that, that have been in my situation. Mm-hmm. And I have to reach out and be like, hey kind of get out of my comfort zone because right. you know I, I don't know for me it's not always the easiest thing to ask for advice right because mm-hmm. then I don't know how it's going to be received but then sometimes you just got to push that aside you know push the pride and ask hey you were in this position how did you you know elevate or how did you move forward from that position mm-hmm. what makes the difference because they can give you some information that's going to save you five years or, or one year or a really bad headache or a terrible season. Right. Right. You know? So, and, right. and all you had to do is ask a quick question. Most of the guys are quick to share information, you know? Right. So that does another it, thing too, that kind of, I had to utilize, you know, utilize those guys that have been there. Right. And, and, and I guess, you know, like you say, it's just all a part of the process of evolving. You know, yeah. you knew, but, but it goes back to the habits, like you said, that you had as, as a young child, always trying to figure out how to get what you want. 
and mm-hmm. and that's basically what you're doing now. You just throughout yeah. this whole chicken game, you just been trying to figure out ways to get the result that you want. And if that came to like you say, stepping outside your comfort zone, you know, reaching out to different people, you know, paying attention to more detail, paying attention to different details. You know, I think it's extremely important that people need to understand that this whole chicken thing is an evolving thing. It's a moving thing. It's not yeah. stagnated. You know, you just can't set a certain standard in stone and don't vary from it. I mean, I personally don't see how. Yeah. Um, no. And I know, again, in, in Puerto Rico, they call it tradition. And here is probably the same. You know, a lot of things are done traditionally. Oh, people are doing them traditionally when you ask them why they're doing it. You know, you ask, well, why do you do this? And they can't, re- oh, my granddaddy did it or my uncle did it. Or I see other guys who won all these trophies, they do it. Well, at the end of the day, you know, if you want that result, you may get it once, but you ain't going to get it too many times until you understand why they're doing it. And it seems like that's what you were doing with the paying attention to detail is understanding why things happen the way they happen, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. That that was really, it becomes like an obsession mm-hmm. <laughs> from the well, second I wake thing. up in the morning, you know, it's like, what do I go and I'll, you know, first I'll watch something motivational and then I'll watch, mm-hmm. I watch chicken stuff all day, all day long, interviews and how to raise files, some stuff that has nothing to do with game chickens, but right. how, how can I raise, how do they raise pasture, uh, chicken, right? And I've right. taken some stuff from that and, you know, it's all, all the process you could take tidbits from everything and put them into play mm-hmm. you know but it, it's a constant learning <clears throat> it's a constant constant learning of of different methods you know i think that's probably the the number one thing every every we got we got to keep learning we got to understand why certain things happen and why they work and why they don't work you know work and why, why they work and, and because I, a good friend of mine here asked me, well, why do you do that? And at the beginning, I'd be like, well, what are you talking about? Why, why do I do Why do you feed crack corn? Or why do you do this? Or, And I'd sit back and I'd be like, well, so everybody else does. Everybody else carbolos. Everybody else does this. Right. Right? And and then, but I had never really questioned it. It's, I did it because that, that's what I knew. And then once you right. start breaking down the questions and, and saying they, they need this, they need the other, they need protein, they need mm-hmm. fats, you know. Then I started understanding what 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 we really needed and why I was doing it or why it worked. It know? made a difference, so, huh? Made all the difference. It, it made, made a difference. <laughs> yeah, it made all the difference. You know, whether I had a sprinter or, or a guy that was ready for a forty yard dash or you know, it was yep. it was all the difference. So that's it. That I mean, that, yeah, I, listen. That that is it. I think you're exactly right. I mean, you know, uh, I always say, you know, you got to not just know the how, but you also got to know the why. And the yeah. reason why it's important to know the why is because that's the only way you can make adjustments. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're yeah. not getting the outcome that you want, and you don't know why you're doing the things you're doing, you just like gambling. Like you just doing stuff. You know what I'm saying? And wasting you, time. Like, oh, it ain't working. And- and wasting time, really, like that's you can you can go through and do the same thing over and over, right. you know. Yeah, at least right. I'll go crazy doing stuff like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but like okay, if it doesn't work the first time or second time, then we got to make an adjustment. You know, 
Just because it's written down on paper doesn't mean that everything that your situation is different. You know, your environment's different, your water's different, your soil different, everything is different. So you gotta so, adjust. So you gotta adjust. So you basically telling me that just because somebody got a building full of trophies, you're not gonna listen to every single thing and not make any adjustments. You just gonna whatever he tells you is exactly how you're gonna do it, huh? No, I couldn't do that. I, ha I have <laughs> you have to make yeah you have to make the adjustment right and and granted I not to knock them they and you know they probably have way more trophies than I do but really we're in different situations you know right. I, but I think you could take a lot away from guys or guys that do have uh, buildings full of trophies right right but all of our situations are different it's mm -hmm. not one size fits all you know mm -hmm. it's not one size fits all and that goes with exactly. everything feed. Yep. With 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 all of it, you know, vitamins, mm -hmm. all the worming. Like, you really got to see what works for your fall, your area, your soil, all that stuff. Right. Yeah, I bet some of the guys all will the... flip out if they see what I do here. You know, with all the moisture right. on the ground, they'll probably flip out. But we're dry, so mm -hmm. how do I how do I get the moisture into these roosters? You know, to the beak right. and on the ground. I need I need them to have some kind of moisture. So, mm -hmm. like I. I I had to make the adjustment. My my uh, my keep on paper wasn't telling me that I needed to adjust there, so I had to right. adjust myself, you know, and say, okay, yeah. this is lacking. We need to add this, and it was a long, hard road. <laughs> long, hard road. <laughs> you said it's a long, hard road, huh? Yeah, well, because you know, it's not a free lesson, right? <laughs> They're it's expensive like lessons. Paying for the, yeah, you, you, yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I probably, probably could have got a bachelor's in something. It could have been a PE teacher <laughs> for sure. You, you know? said with all the money you spent, it's like a college education, huh? Only thing is, you yeah. can't get those student loans. <laughs> no, yeah, that's the difference. At least you know, at least I don't have to pay them back. You know, but but they're they're expensive lessons. You know, they're expensive lessons. That's right. Uh, you know, and I still learn them to this day. Yeah. Still, and you, you're gonna keep continue on. You just try to try to put yourself in a position where you know uh, you kind of balance it out. Where at least you got you keep enough income flowing. Where you know when you paying for your lessons, you still got enough money coming in to keep paying for more lessons. Because some people just get 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 you know get out the game because they they lessons are too expensive and they ain't got enough. Yeah. You know they making too many mistakes, too many yeah, mistakes yeah. too early. And uh, it ended up running them out, discouraging them, running them broke. It happens all the time. It happens. Slow and steady. I see it all. I think slow and steady wins the race. Slow and steady yeah. wins the race. Well, listen, brother, this has been, well, we're, we're again, hour and a half already. Is it time? Time, <laughs> <laughs> time flies. So listen, guys, it's. It's we at the hour and a half mark already. Once again, um, the first interview I think was the same thing, an hour and forty minutes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we might have Manuel come back on again because again, he's he's a great guy to talk to. He's talking to somebody who's been in the trenches, uh, first generation. You know, started from nothing. You know, he's a, a perfect example of being able to have good genetics at the beginning, but not pulling a full potential out of the foul because he lacked the knowledge as a chicken person. So, I think. The amazing part of his journey is not just with the condition of his birds in uh, today, but how he has transformed as a person, as a game fowl breeder, 
you know, I think, again, it's so much to learn from this interview, so much to learn. If people would take the time, because it's amazing how many people have never watched all of the Journey to the Pit interviews and they'll message me with a question that we have already been over. Take the time. I mean, again, these interviews are like, to me, they're better than books. You know, they're better than books, but it's so much more to learn. Listen how he had to adapt, how he would start to force call, how he transitioned from looking at his game foul just as chickens to as a business, not meaning his standards change, you know, meaning that he don't like chickens, they just uh, income. No, no, not from a lack of passion, but he had to get more efficient. Um, again, like you say, he eliminated probably 20% or more of his birds on his yard. It's so many jewels in this interview. If you just chimed in, I encourage you once it's done to go back to the beginning and listen to it because there's a lot of things that a lot of guys need to hear. They might not want to hear, but they really need to hear because I think, you know, as a, as a whole, this culture, game file culture today, we study, we spend too much time studying people's success at the finish line. And nobody got time to listen to the journey. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody wants to study the journey. Everybody want to look at what his birds look like today. How many trophies has he won a day? What is he doing today? Well, you know what? In order for Manuel to get to where he is today, you got to listen to his whole story. He didn't wake up and pop out with his birds looking the way they look today. You know what I mean? And, and again, if you're trying to learn something, you learn more from studying somebody's journey then you learn from studying somebody's win. And today we obsess with studying wins. We study wins that determine on who we buy foul from, that determine on how we feed, that determine everything. But at the end of the day, like Manuel said, everybody's situation is different. And, you know, you, you copying what somebody done after a win may not fit your situation. But if you're not open-minded and understand that, you're not going to get that success that, that you're looking for. I promise you. I mean, I see it all the time. I'm pretty sure you have seen it doing your journey all the time, um, you know, guys. So I just I can't reiterate it enough. Go back to these interviews. This man has dropped a ton of jewels. He's a perfect example of somebody with no money, no connections, started from the truly started from the bottom, truly started from the bottom. And he's not finished with his dream, but he's accomplishing it. It's a process. His dream is a process. Like he said during the first interview, it's never finished. It's never over. You know, it's a continued process. This is one of those long, lifelong races. It's going to stop the day they put him in the graveyard. But until then, you know, Manuel is on his continued journey. But it's a lot, guys, that we can learn. Take the time out. Watch the whole interview. Go back to the first interview, which is on the Facebook page, Journey to the Pit Facebook page. Watch the first part uh, because, again, the purpose of this was not only just to inspire but to educate guys that's really coming up, that's chasing that goal or chasing that, that building full of trophies. There's a lot to learn. You know, there's a lot to learn, and more so not just on – Manuel didn't share any techniques, just to let y'all guys – he didn't really share any techniques from interview one and interview two. He shared concepts, you know, mindsets. You know what I mean? That's what he shared. This way you can take that and adapt it to your situation. And I just think it's that much more powerful when sharing a concept than just a technique. You know, like he said, both of them is, is important. You know, the how, but also the why. You know, paying attention to a lot of detail. I can go on and on and on. I could just make an interview about the interview. Um, but I'm just saying <laughs> this to the point 
I, I mean, I can. I can make an interview about the interview because, again, you drove a lot of stuff home that I constantly talk about. Now they see a real-life person that is doing the stuff that I have already talked about. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's extremely yeah. important that people take heed to it because there's more guys out there like you than it is guys with 5,000 birds on a farm. You know what I mean? The small yeah. and medium-sized game fowl breeder is the backbone of the sport. You know, that's the bottom line. Right. That's a proven fact. They're the sport of the people in the sport. You know what I mean? It ain't it ain't many people out there with three, four, five thousand birds. But there's a bunch of guys out there with five hundred birds or less. You know, yeah. or three hundred birds or less. And uh, and and again, you know, he's a, also a prime example. You know, birds to be able to make a living uh, and provide for your family. Um, you don't have to have a thousand birds, but you do got to use a lot of the principles he used to make the program work. You know, you can't be wasteful. You just can't be filling up barrel spaces and all, all that stuff you got to take in consideration. If not, then you're probably going to need a couple thousand birds, you know, to feed your family. So, and it all, it takes again, a little guys, bit of time, I, but it, it works. It works, right? Just stay with and, it. And again, stay guys, got uh, to stick with it. I think, like I say, his interviews, totally different. We never had anybody come on like that. You know, we had a, all the Journey to the Pit interviews are great. The guests are great. Uh, everybody learned something from each of them, but this one right here was a was a definitely uh, something totally different because we didn't talk about any tactics or techniques or methods. You know what I mean? Manuel just talked about concepts. You know, coming over adversity. You know, that I think that's again is extremely extremely important, and it is so much to learn from this interview along with the other ones. But if you're chasing a dream and you want to become a game foul breeder full time. These are definitely his two interviews are the ones to watch because he done it. You know, he done it from, you know, laying in his bed, drawing a picture of his ideal farm and hanging it on the ceiling. So as he's laying in the bed, he's looking at it every night. That's deep. You never heard nobody. I'm not saying nobody else has done that, but nobody has shared it. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody has shared it. That's why I think it's so powerful, you know, and there's a lot of practices that he done with his daughter, you know, sitting up and playing an imagination game. Whoever heard of that? You know what I'm saying? Now it's something they're like, whoa, that is something great. You know what I mean? So again, guys, if you're really looking and you want to do game foul um, as a living full time, you know, his interview is definitely something to watch. Definitely, definitely. And I encourage y'all guys to share the information. You know, you might not want to do it, but maybe somebody you know might want to do it. And they may need to hear the stuff that Manuel is talking about to maybe grant them some guidance. Like he said, he reached out to a lot of other people that have been in the situation that he's in or maybe in uh, or moving towards, and he gained advice from them. And there's a lot of friends and maybe even family that's in a sport that need to hear this kind of information. If you can't benefit from it, I'm sure somebody can. So I always encourage y'all guys to share this information. Um, Manuel, you have any last words before we close out? No, th thank you, Jim, for having me on. Um, it, it, it is. I think this is this was pretty fun, kind of aside was, from man. from the rest of the techniques. But it was, it was very it was a interesting situation for me. <laughs> yes, I know. I, I, I definitely think it, I really enjoyed it. You know, I really enjoyed it, and it, made, it really made me feel really good because I truly believe this interview, not just Odie going to help somebody, you know, 
taking care of their birds, but the fact that I think it's going to kind of give some some of us out there some confirmation that we can do it. And I think we don't hear that enough. You know, a lot of people out there have dreams, but they're not surrounded by people who encouraging them saying that you can't do it. And you, you was a perfect example. Your, your parents didn't want you to do game foul for a living. And it's a lot mm -hmm. of other guys out there. They still don't want me to. That, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's my exact point. And that's why I think it's so deep and it's so powerful. You know? Um, so, again, guys. But they they do appreciate the progress. I'll tell you that. Oh, they course. do appreciate the progress. Because I think at the beginning, it's shocking. And obviously, different, right? But they appreciate the progress. I think you, you could definitely see a change in in their demeanor where it's like, okay, it's working. To it, right? it's, it's, it's working, yeah. I knew you right. could do it the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but if it didn't work out, we're like, I told you not to do that, boy. Yeah. You should have went to school and stayed at that job. <laughs> uh, you know how that works. But, guys, that's something that you can also learn from, too. I mean, he came through a situation where his parents didn't want to do it, but he still went out there, pushed forward to pursue his dream, what made him happy. Um, and that's something I think is a lot of us need to hear. Sometimes our friends and family are the ones who don't want us to, you know, pursue our dream in chickens. And not because it's, they're doing it, I think, from, you know, from a malice intent, but yeah. they love us and they don't think they can't see our vision. And if they can't see our vision, they kind of push us more towards something that's more secure and more predictable. But, you yeah. know, a lot it was of from love. Yeah, it was definitely out of love. Yeah, yeah, they, they were yeah, definitely, definitely looking out, out of love. Exactly. Yeah, it was out of definitely love. Definitely out of love. They wanted you, you know, you to follow the same train that everybody else is getting on. But that ain't, mm -hmm. you know, that ain't what made made uh, Manuel happy. So Manuel went yeah. out there and just uh, put them strapped on them boots and jumped in them trenches to to walk towards what was going to actually make him happy. And uh, you know, again, like he says, the ongoing process. But I think he has done a phenomenal job uh, up until this point. And we wish him much, much more success and many blessings to come. Um, so, man, well, I appreciate Thank you coming you. on the show. Guys, if y'all watching from uh, YouTube, make sure y'all hit that subscribe and notification button on there. We want to continue having these dual streams uh, to YouTube and to Facebook. Guys, if y'all on Facebook, make sure y'all like that page. Hit that notification button because I'll be doing periodically uh, videos, too, that may not have special guests on. Just sharing my thoughts on different things. So just to make sure you get those notifications, if you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit that bell button so you should get notifications. The same thing on Facebook. Make sure you hit that like and follow button on the Journey to the Pit Facebook page. Um, and, guys, it's been great. Long interview tonight. Some excellent, excellent information. Don't be surprised if uh, we bring Manuel on, uh, on another session. And then maybe on those sessions we can start to talk about techniques you know, how he gets those birds looking so, so good. And that's probably when I'll post the pictures of what your birds used to look like and what they look like today. But they look phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, and Thank he you, didn't Jim. buy them like that. <laughs> you know, he, he didn't buy them like that. <laughs> they didn't come out the box looking <laughs> he, he didn't buy them like that. They didn't come out the box looking like that. <laughs> he, he got them to look like that. So, brothers and sisters, again, um, I appreciate y'all guys watching from all over the world. Looks like we didn't have people literally watching from all over the world, from overseas, many different places, Europe, again, Alaska, you know, all over the place, Puerto Rico. We didn't have people from all and all over the United States. So we really appreciate y'all guys chiming in. I hope y'all guys enjoyed this interview as much as I did. Look forward to more interviews coming. I will keep y'all guys posted. 
Um, if y'all guys are not on Facebook, don't worry. We'll be posting stuff to YouTube to keep y'all guys abreast. Uh, we're looking to have another interview Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time this coming week. Uh, stay tuned for the special guest that we will have on. Again, guys, please share the information because there's somebody out there that may not have an opportunity to watch but need to hear this information that their dreams are possible. They just got to put in the work, keep believing in themselves, and keep working. So y'all guys all have a good night. Stay focused, stay positive, stay blessed, and I'll see y'all soon. Good night, Manuel. I'll talk to you soon, bro. Thank you, Jim. Have a good okay, night. Good night. Bye-bye.